0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Goals on Film, Edge of the Crowd's dedicated sports movies podcast. I'm your host Jason and I've got Stewie back with me this week. How have you been?
1: Good thanks mate, flat out. um, But you know what they say, make hay while the sun shines. And uh, my week's been made a little bit better because I was kind of forced by virtue of coming on this podcast to watch this fantastic movie we're going to chat about.
0: Yeah, well let's get into chatting about it. This week's episode we will be discussing a 2004 dodgeball comedy, Dodgeball, A True Underdog Story. To give you a little bit of a synopsis, the film is about Average Joe's Gym Mm. and its owner Peter LaFleur, facing the prospect of rival Globo Gym and its owner White Goodman to purchase the site, foreclose Average Joe's and build a parking lot for his own gym there, unless Peter can come up with $50,000 within 30 days. Peter, along with his gym's employees and members, all band together to raise the money. After a car wash fails to generate any money, Gordon recommends a dodgeball tournament in Las Vegas. After watching a 1950s-inspired training video featuring Patches O'Houlihan, who later becomes their coach, and advancing past the local qualifiers via default, the average Joes suffered some early setbacks at the Las Vegas tournament but advanced to the final against Globo Gym. Ahead of the final, though, Peter quits the team after an offer from White to sell Average Joes to him. Steve quits after a confrontation with Peter about him not being a pirate. And Justin leaves to join a former classmate's cheerleading competition. It basically leaves Average Joes with a lack of players forcing a forfeit. However, when Justin and Peter return, Gordon finds a loophole. And with thanks to Chuck Norris as the deciding committee vote, final is allowed to play out. Originally Globo Gym wins, but after a double fault foot violation from White, the game goes to sudden death with Peter and Average Joes prevailing. White though tells everyone of Peter accepting the bribe the night before, before Peter reveals that he used the $100,000 to bet on Average Joes at 50 to one odds, using the money to purchase a controlling interest in Globo Gym, thus regaining Average Joes and firing White as Peter runs the newly renovated Average Joes gym Complete with youth dodgeball classes while White becomes obese out of depression. Fucking Chuck Norris.
1: Right. Spare me. I won that tournament. Fucking Chuck Norris.
0: <laughs> I really don't know how I like held my laughter throughout all of that because like Some of the things in this movie are just like so outrageous about like what happens, who appears in this movie as a cameo. Mm -hmm. What did you think of this movie?
1: Listen, it is, uh, you know, it's one of those movies that's just perfectly, it's kind of frozen in time a little bit. It just perfectly um, illustrates what comedy was in the early 2000s. Um, Just ridiculous. And you had some of the, uh, some of the biggest names in comedy, Leading the show, Vince Vaughn, um, Wedding Crashes, other films. Old School um, is another one he's really funny. In. And then, of course, Ben Stiller, just a comedy legend. And then it's got a lot of, um, you know, up-and-comers in there too. Jason Bateman springs to mind. He looks younger than you and me in this movie. Um, Arrested Development is still a sparkle in his eye, perhaps, at this time. I'm not too sure. Um, Justin Long, um, Ben Stiller's wife. Christine Taylor is in it as well, um, you know, Ben Stiller and Christine Taylor just uh, rekindling their on-screen chemistry um, after after showing up together in Zoolander. It's just a fantastic movie, it's a laugh a minute, um, just quotables left, right and centre, you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball.
0: Shouldn't we like learn by dodging balls that are thrown at us or? That's what this sack of wrenches is for. You can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball.
1: What? Any other questions? It's a bold strategy cotton, let's see how it pays off for him.
0: Yes, no, I'm being told that average Joes does not have enough players and will be forfeiting
1: the championship match. bold strategy cotton let's see if it pays off for him um the aforementioned fucking chuck norris um you know just brilliant movie love it love it to bits
0: yeah i I agree with everything that you just said i think that it is a film that does hold up um and i think it's purely because like it is funny you know most every single line is funny um it has those quotes that you know, you can just say and people will know what they're from, uh, you know, quote them anywhere and everywhere as well. And I think that that's just a testament to a good movie. Um, I think that, you know, you know, the hold that a movie has um, or the effect that a movie has down the line. And, you know, this is 18 years old now as well. Um, mm-hmm. That, you know, people are still quoting this. People are still uh, going back to this movie as, you know, a really good movie in this whole, whole scheme of
1: sports movies. And just, I think one... did. Sorry to jump in and interrupt you. I'm sure you missed that last week. But um, just to kind of illustrate your point, this movie came out in 2004, right? Mm-hmm. I have a daughter who was born after this movie was made and it is one of her all time favorite movies. If we're having a movie night, almost one time out of five, she will say, let's watch Dodgeball. I've watched it fifty times with her, I would say. And she is younger than the movie. So that kind of speaks to the uh, to the to the timelessness of it, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I
0: think it's definitely one of those movies that like, you know, you can just watch as many times as you can. Like it's not one that you just like watch and forget or watch and you know, revisit. Five, 10 years down the line, like, you know, whenever it's on TV, like you just watch it. Like, you know, if you're scrolling, you know, your streaming services and you see it, like you're like, oh, you know, I'm gonna watch this one. Like you just come back to it so often. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more, Jace. Um, I think like part of the reason why I like it as well is just like you don't really expect a sports movie to involve dodgeball either. Um, you know, it's something <laughs> that like doesn't really get that much attention. Um, and I think we'll talk about the effects like that the sport got uh, later down the line as well but Mm -hmm. I think like it was just sort of like I'm sure at the time as well and like even thinking about it now um, I think it was just like such a fresh concept um, to do a sports movie about dodgeball and as far as I'm aware like I don't remember any other dodgeball movies being having been made Um, and so I think that that really like cements it in sort of like it's placing among sports movies as like its own product, um, and like you know, there's just sort of nothing like it.
1: Absolutely, you took the words out of my mouth, mate. There is not another sports movie like this. Um, I think one that maybe you could put in the same category is one that we've actually already done on goals on film. Uh, basketball is the one I'm getting at. Anyway, uh, maybe it's it. You could put baseball in that pantheon, but really, dodgeball stands. Stands alone very much so in so many ways as its own movie.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've been, I don't think I've seen another basketball movie. You're right.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good point. Good point. <laughs> uh, we might move on, and we'll look at the references to history that are throughout this movie. And I think we'll first start with by taking a look at where the sport. Of dodgeball originated from mm-hmm. and so in the film by the black and white 1950s training video that average joe's watches the narrator explains that dodgeball was invented by the chinese in the 15th century this isn't true the game was originated in africa um, however and you might think that dodgeball is a bit deadly you know like piffing balls at other people to get them out that does not compare to the origins of dodgeball in Africa. Would you like, yeah. to, take, would you like to take a guess, Stewie, at how um, much more deadly in Africa, um, over 200 years ago this is as well, um, mm-hmm. the sport of dodgeball was?
1: Well, I'm actually shocked to hear that the black and white movie that they showed on dodgeball wasn't historically accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of thrown me to begin with, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hazard a guess and say 100% more deadly than the dodgeball that we know and love today. I'd say more than 100%. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> so,
0: tell us, tell us. So the objects that were thrown at opposing players or opposing people were rocks. Oh my god. <laughs> And the story is that it was used to develop warriors' strength and endurance, throwing rocks with the intention of incapacitating uh, their people opposite. Oh, um, yeah. So
1: I guess you can basically say that it was a game to the death. Okay. Well, listen, I'm not going to lie to you, Jason. I'd pay to watch that. <laughs> I would, uh, yeah. yeah, put it on pay-per-view. I'll pay the 30 bucks and I'll watch it live.
0: Okay, um, yeah, <laughs> so that's that's where some scholars believe it started. Others believe the game originated in Asia, Greece or Mes- Mesoamerica around 500 BC. So you can choose to believe whichever version of the story that you want.
1: So Patches O'Hallohan, tell me that he's a real person. He was based on a historically accurate figure, right? No. I don't believe so. Nothing that I saw
0: suggested that he was. Um. So he was not a seven-time champion. Um. He was not a. Yeah, former. I think it was
1: Irish-American player. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's, he was based uh, on anyone. That's devastating to me. Um. Yeah.
0: Um. We'll speak about the game and the sport itself a little later in our next segment. So stay tuned for that. But we'll move on with some more references to history and we'll start off with the broadcast.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: unfortunately ESPN eight doesn't exist. The Ocho
1: um, doesn't exist. The
0: Ocho doesn't exist either. Yeah, and so wow. the ESPN sister channels go up to three numbers wise. Um, and there's a couple of others as well. Um, there's definitely more than eight sister channels, but in terms of the ones that are like ESPN two, ESPN three, um, it doesn't go up to ESPN eight. Mm -hmm. Um, But this was done as a means to lampoon the channel's multiple outlets. And so The Ocho is a tongue-in-cheek reference to a nickname formerly used by ESPN2 titled The Juice. (laughs) 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 But in sort of like, you know, referencing this movie in real life, in 2017, ESPN2 did indeed broadcast Dodgeball, uh, basically in a 24-hour span where they also broadcast a few other sports or sporting events that don't really see the light of day um some of those included sports stacking lawnmower racing chess boxing kabaddi and cornhole
1: okay so i know all the other ones but what in the hell is kabardi?
0: Uh, so, Kabaddi is a contact team sport that originated in India involving two teams and a unique rule. The goal is for each team's raider to tag as many of the opposing players, team's players as possible and return to their home half, all the while taking just a single breath.
1: Oh, wow. That's, that's fascinating. Incredible. Wow. All right. Well, I missed the boat on that one. I would have loved to have watched that.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure that you can still find some highlights of it. Um, yeah, I think it'd be really interesting. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, and, of course, because it's inspired by the film, Dodgeball, a true underdog story, the film was broadcast either side of the 24-hour period. Um, and so they knew its roots. So they did, uh, they did uh, broadcast the movie as well in between all of these random, weird and wacky sports
1: they paid homage to uh to dodgeball so the whole point of this 24-hour broadcast was kind of uh you know a shout out to dodgeball
0: yeah that's right um and so the director of dodgeball um he says that at the time that he was writing dodgeball espn2 had recently started and they were calling it the juice and i found that particularly funny And then with any comedy, you just kind of take the knob and turn it all the way to 11. Where would ESPN broadcast something ridiculous, something as ridiculous as dodgeball? It couldn't be on ESPN 3, 4, 5, 6 or 7. It had to be ESPN 8. And it had to be the Ocho. It just kind of writes itself in that regard.
1: Um, Yeah. Okay, well, that makes sense. And Ocho means 8 in Spanish, right? yeah it does yeah yeah okay so yeah there you go yeah um
0: continuing that obviously espn let them let the movie use their logos um and present it as an espn broadcast and the director had no idea whether espn would actually allow him to use their name um because i think this was one of his first movies because he did say that he was so naive in terms of how you make movies that he was just writing and wanted to see what he could write and what he could produce. And um, yeah, he says that he doesn't know who at ESPN agreed to let them use it. Um, But yeah, I mean, obviously it just, as, as he said, like it just
1: sort of wrote itself. Wow. So talk about shooting your shot. This is, this is the, the, the producer, the director, the, the screenwriter, which which one? Is it, it was his first movie.
0: Uh, I don't think it was his first movie. No. Um, oh, okay. We are we are talking about the director. Um, okay. Of this movie, and so yeah, we are talking about Rawson Marshall Thurber. Um, I think he'd done a few movies before this, but um, yeah. Yep,
1: we're still learning the ropes, as they say.
0: Oh, let's let's talk about. We may as well use this moment to talk about the true commentators of this movie, um, two commentators of the Ocho. And so it's Cotton McKnight and Pepper Brooks. Um, obviously, just every single word that they uttered um, was just hilarious. I think that Jason Bateman um, really stole it, and you sort of talked to him about him at the top of that as well. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, so essentially, like, they form one of ESPN's most iconic fictional
1: fans. Um, <laughs> Yep, Uh, absolute all-timer line from Peppo is when the cheerleaders are dancing at the start and he says, oh, that's just good family fun there, Cotton. Oh, man, (laughs) so funny. Just every line that he utters is just an all-timer.
0: Yeah, and so Thurber was asked whether he had certain announcers who those characters were based on, and he said no. Um, But in the 20-plus years of watching and listening to the sports, it was kind of the straight man, play-by-play guy and the sort of ex jock colour commentator and that Gary Cole and Jason Bateman just hit it out of the park. Um, Originally, Cotton and Pepper were supposed to be in blue shirts and ties, but Jason Bateman was the one that sort of, you know, spoke up and said, I was thinking I could do like a motocross shirt with a dodgeball logo like an X Games announcer. Um, And then Thurber continues that you just write the most inane dialogue you can, can possibly come up with And trust them to deliver
1: it so beautifully. Absolutely, and they they did absolutely nail it. I'm surprised that it was, um, you know, it was scripted dialogue. If you would ask me, I would have, I would have guessed that a lot of the the commentary, particularly the Jason Bateman stuff, would have been ad libbed.
0: Yeah, that's right. I feel like yeah, a lot of it, you know, it could have just been, you know, react in a way that you would, or like, you know, this is your character and this is their, like, you know, characteristic, um, you know, act how is how you would expect them to. And so, like, I think that's where, you know, you might have gotten some of those really, like, funny lines, um, you know, just about like, I've never seen anything as shocking as in my life. And, um, you know, Jason Bateman's characters being like, I'm shocked. Average Jones
1: wins in a shocking upset. I feel shocked. (laughs) Brilliant. It's just classic stuff.
0: (laughs) But in continuing the references to other broadcasts, Hatch's handset has a line saying, it's like watching a bunch of R words trying to hump a doorknob. (laughs) Um, This is a reference to, it's like watching a monkey trying to hump a football which is what 1980 US Olympic hockey coach Herb Brooks said to his team when they were preparing for the 1980 Win- Winter Olympic Games in Lake Placid, New York.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. Sorry, <laughs> you got me, Barbara, referencing that particular one. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and in keeping with the 1980s Olympic theme, at the movie's ending, Cotton says, Do you believe in unlikelihoods? Yes.
1: (laughs) Clearly referencing, do you believe in miracles from uh, the miracle on ice, right?
0: That's right. Yeah, the famous exclamation by Al Michaels when the United States beat Russia in hockey. Um, Yeah, when he said, do you believe in miracles? Yes.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: The other reference is in a climactic scene of the final dodgeball match uh cotton uses the term down goes goodman down goes goodman this is a reference to howard Cosell's famous call from the heavyweight 1973 championship fight between george foreman and joe frazier in which he shouted down goes frazier down goes frazier
1: yeah right okay wow see this is what we have you <laughs> running this podcast for jason you do the deep dive and you find out these little fascinating nuggets of information that I had absolutely no idea about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm sure you.
0: this is what the listeners expect on Goals on Film.
1: Uh huh. They see hosted by Jason Irvine featuring Stuart Kavanaugh. They go, thank God Jason's on there because <laughs> if it was Stuart, it'd just be, yeah, this movie's pretty funny. Also, Ben Stiller's in it. Thanks for listening. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right well i hope the listeners don't take that as being the end of the episode <laughs>
1: <laughs> please stick um, around
0: <laughs> there is one more at the movie's ending when white goodman commits a foot foul, his diatribe is about being out here and working his butt off and the referee making a poor, poor call like that um, it's meant to mock a similar diatribe but made by Jimmy Connors at the 1991 US Open when he said, I'm out here at 39 years old working on my butt off and you make a call like that. Um, yeah, so I guess like all these references, like I guess you were saying before, like, you know, you wondered whether they were scripted or like whether they had to be scripted. Um, you know, like, yeah, all these references, I think just prove that maybe you know, they had these things in mind and so included them in there. But I think for, yeah, a lot of the other things, like it may not have been, but um, for these specific references, like it probably
1: would have had to be included in there. Absolutely, man. That's, uh, that, that is fascinating. I am, I am in awe of your research skills, Jason, um, because they're all, you know, moments that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. But uh, didn't connect the dots. And uh, here you are connecting the dots for us, mate. And uh, we're forever grateful.
0: You're welcome. We'll just end this segment by talking about the participation uh, of dodgeball to come from this movie. And so participation in dodgeball did increase and dodgeball leagues started popping up around the world with the sport going through a huge resurgence Um, and, yeah, essentially became a big adult league around the world. And... The director, um, Rosen, he he basically said that it was really wild to him that those leagues started popping up after the movie. Um, He says that he gets asked to play in those leagues pretty frequently. Um, And I'm pretty sure the actor that plays Gordon as well, so Stefan Root, um, he Uh gets asked as well. Right. Um, And, uh, yeah, there's a funny quote here as well from Thurber, the director. Um, He says... It's sort of ironic because I love dodgeball as a kid. It's part of why I wrote the movie, is because when you say dodgeball to someone, they either break into a smile or break into a sweat. But either <laughs> way, they know. Yeah, yeah. It's a lose lose for me because I can throw the ball pretty well if I win. It's like, oh, the guy who wrote the movie, of course, he's good. And if I lose and I get smoked, I beat the guy that made the movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Yeah, pretty much. But, uh,
0: yeah, I think that it was really cool to see, like, a dodgeball resurgence, um, you know, to come from this movie. And, obviously, I forgot to mention at the start that we are doing this uh, podcast because it is the Dodgeball World Championships happening this weekend. Really? Yeah. Um, oh, so it's, okay. It's taking place in Edmonton in uh, Canada. Okay. Of um, course, course it's
1: the Canadians. Of course. It
0: is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, which is obviously really cool. Um, Australia are competing in both women's and men's. They haven't won a title yet, but uh, I believe they will because uh, I did actually have a look at the rankings currently as well, and the women's team are on top, so they're number one, and the men's oh. team are second. So, so we we could be in for a chance here. We could. Yeah. And it's, it's like, you know, considerable gaps too. Um, so Australia's Australia's women's teams are on 470 ranking points, which is about 95 more than second placed Italy. Uh-huh. And Australia's men's team is on 566 ranking points, which is about 290 above third place United States and uh-huh. about a hundred behind first place Malaysia.
1: That's incredible. Well, if you've got nothing on this weekend, August 26th to the 27th, pop down on your couch, subscribe to Foxtel, uh, chuck on ESPN, the Ocho, and watch the World (laughs) Dodgeball Championships.
0: Oh, I hope it's on. I do hope (laughs)
1: All right. We might move on now as
0: well and talk about how this film conveys the sport and how, you know, properly it conveys the sport being played. And Mm -hmm. so... I think the whole explanation of the sport seems pretty spot on, um, as in six players to a team or on a court, six balls in use, the way you can get out, the way that you can get back in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think from like my time playing dodgeball as well, um, because like I've had a few friends who do play, um, you know, like state level even. And actually we were talking just before about, um, you know, Australia going to, Canada for the world dodgeball championships I have yep. a friend that is over there and so I've I've uh, mixed in with the big guys
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is a humble brag there mate <laughs> um, you
0: know, like everything yeah everything that I sort of saw in this movie having pro- pro- probably not really watched it since playing um and like this was before sort of two years ago as well um but, like, everything that I sort of saw from the movie is, like, how I remember playing it. And, like, obviously, like, when I was playing, it was just, like, this fun thing to do mm-hmm. on a Monday night. But, you know, they used all the regular rules and that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the only difference, like, for the movie, like, the length of the game was the big one to come from the film. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of shows are, like, once your team whole team is out, you're done type of format. Right. Uh, This is the norm for informal matches. However, in World Dodgeball Federation guidelines, a dodgeball game actually lasts for 40 minutes.
1: Wow. That's a lot of dodging (laughs) and a lot of throwing.
0: 40 minutes. uh, It's a lot of dodging, dipping, ducking, diving, and dodging.
1: You're going to learn to be true
0: dodgeballers. Then you've got to learn the five Ds of
1: dodgeball. Dodge, duck, dip. Dive and dodge, Mm, yeah, Uh, and dodging twice. You said dodging twice, that's a lot of dodging. I've got to tell you, I wonder if they've based that on uh, you know, the average length of a lunch break at an elementary or primary school. Um, you know, because I might not have mixed with uh, you know, players that are at the world championships of dodgeball, Jason, but uh. Little Stewie 25, 30 years ago, was run around on the quadrangle at Salisbury Primary School in South Australia, uh, playing his fair share of dodgeball. So I know I know a thing or two. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: yeah, that, that could honestly be true. I mean, maybe the um, you know Chinese were playing it in the 15th century in the schoolyard too, as it was shown in
1: the <laughs> in the movie. That's what I learned in history class. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless I've been misled.
0: but yeah the game of dodgeball does last 40 minutes it's split into two 20 minute halves during which as many sets as possible are played um and a set ends when all players of one team are out with a point given to every set one right fascinating one thing that i didn't know about this but you know i wondered when i was watching the movie i wondered whether this was something that you could do in a dodgeball game was the (laughs) notion of timeouts Yep. Um, And so, yeah, I sort of saw it in there. And maybe it it was to do with, like, the short length of a game as it was shown in the movie, um, thinking that, oh, you know, can you really do that in a game that basically lasts, like, you know, a couple of minutes. But Mm. um, obviously it's different in a game that lasts for 40 minutes. Um, And so, yeah, timeouts, you can call a timeout up to two per match. Mm -hmm. um, And it lasts for a minute and 30 seconds each one.
1: Okay, interesting. Wow, so they've really, you know, (laughs) call me naive, but uh, I thought that this was a game that was still exclusively played by primary school kids, Um, but there's some people out there that have, uh, you know, really put some thought into these rules, and uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit amazing to me that I've never watched a professional dodgeball match, but uh, I think I'm going to remedy that this weekend
0: absolutely yeah i think you should um Mm. i think yeah you definitely should but yeah i think that like i was obviously looking at the rule book um Mm -hmm. to jot down these points and it seems like yeah it seems huge for what you sort of expect dodgeball to be is just like you know throw it get someone out like you know yeah yeah like a lot of people think that it is just obviously that simple but there's just so much more that goes into
1: it yeah that is uh that's crazy. So, according to the World Dodgeball Association, which works with 62 national federations on six continents, mm-hmm. there are more. Actually, before I say it, Jace, how about you just hazard a guess <laughs> at how many dodgeball players there might be globally? Oh, globally? How many people are there in the world? Uh, Eight billion, I think, or seven billion. Yeah. Um, I'll say two million. 2 million is your guess. It's really low, isn't it? It is very, very low. Jason, what if I told you there was 67.5 million officially registered dodgeball players in the world?
0: Wow, that's, uh, that's... quite a long way from my
1: guess. That's uh, That's out of control. That is absolutely <laughs> out of control. You see, it doesn't matter how much you think you know, there's always just something more. This is just completely fascinating to me. This is a whole new world has been opened up to me. Yeah. And, you know, now I'm thinking I've wasted my life. I could have been a world dodgeball champion by now.
0: (laughs) Well, I think even with that, like that stat that you just gave, um, you know, and like sort of like the growing membership, Mm -hmm. dodgeball world championship was initially an open event as well, but it stopped being an open event as the membership grew and now works by qualification. And so like... You know, like as a result of membership growing, which is obviously great. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the World Dodgeball Federation had to sort of put a stop to how many people wanted to enter the world championship. And I think that just is a testament to yeah, how many people actually participate in the sport and want to play it at the highest level too.
1: Absolutely. That's uh I keep saying this in this podcast, but it's how I'm feeling right now. I'm fascinated. I'm absolutely fascinated by all these facts that you're digging up or that we're, uh, that we're finding out together as the podcast goes.
0: Well, while we're uh, digging up, you know, big facts, I think, I think that I'll, I'll pose a question to you. It seems like we're like back and
1: forth questions, questions <laughs> for each other. We're testing out a new format here.
0: <laughs> um, just before we talked about like the length of a dodgeball game being 40 minutes. Do you want to uh, hazard a guess at the longest recorded game of dodgeball was?
1: Okay. So I'm going to guess that it was way back in the day. um, And it maybe went for like four days or five days or something. And they had to have breaks to sleep or whatever.
0: Uh, Well, it wasn't way back in the day, actually. It was in 2012.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Fascinating. Uh, There's that word again. Fascinating. Yeah. Go on, please.
0: Well, I think you will uh, say that word again soon. It was at Castleton State College in Vermont, and -hmm. the game lasted for 41 hours, three minutes and 17 seconds. Consecutively. Mm -hmm.
1: So these people didn't sleep. They just dodged balls the night away.
0: Subbed in and out.
1: Oh, my goodness. I'm trying to think of a better word than fascinating, but I just don't have one. That's incredible. (laughs) 41 hours out of control. Maybe I maybe I don't have what it takes to be a world dodgeball champion because <laughs> I don't know if I'm down for 41 hours of dodgeball, mate.
0: Yeah, I think that there may have been, you know, so much sudden death dodgeball in that one, maybe. Mm. Um, because, yeah, even the notion <laughs> of sudden death dodgeball is a little different to what it was shown in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, In the film, it featured a one-on-one with each having one ball to throw at their opponent. In real life, um, from what I can gather, it's basically like an all-in final set, um, Mm -hmm. essentially. And I think I saw somewhere that you can't block the ball in sudden death. Right. uh, Otherwise, you're out. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't think that any player can come back in, like, if you catch it. I think it's, yeah, it's essentially just a last person standing.
1: I think this is something where uh, the movie got a little bit better than the uh, proper sport then. Because I like the drama of the one-on-one. I think that uh, that would be a, uh, a fascinating spectacle to watch if you're a dodgeball diehard.
0: We'll now move on and look at the acting performances of this cast. And um, and I'll just run you through the cast list because there was quite an ensemble. Mm-hmm. We had Vince Vaughn as Peter LaFleur. We had Ben Stiller as White Goodman. We had Rip Torn as Patches O'Houlihan. We had Christine Taylor as Catherine Veitch. We had Justin Long as Justin Redman. Stephen Root as Gordon Pibb. Alan Tudyk as Pirate Steve Cohen. Uh, Joel David Moore as Owen Ditman. Chris Williams as Dwight Baumgarten. Uh, Jamal Duff as Michelle Jones. Gary Cole as Cotton Knight. And Jason Bateman as Pepper Brooks. So looking at that cast list, I know that we've talked to Bit about them but is there any other one that you want to highlight or go into a bit more detail about
1: okay so I want to just highlight Stephen wrote um not for uh I, I think he's underrated a little bit as a comedic actor um I don't know if you've watched Barry have you seen Barry Jason I haven't no okay so he plays um Barry's a hitman obviously uh Bill Hader Barry is a hitman and um Stephen Root plays his uh, the guy who gives him all of his jobs, and he is fascinating in that movie. And I've got to say, after having watched Barry, it was a delight to go back to Dodgeball and see him in this movie. He's uh, he's tremendous. So I'm a big fan of his turn in this movie, is Gordon.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think for me, like, I mean, we obviously touched on them a little bit, but I think we'll go into a bit more detail about. Vince Vaughan and Ben Stiller um you know I think you mentioned earlier in the podcast that like you know they were just sort of at their prime um and sort of like two comedic actors that you sort of like became synonymous I think with like you know sort of like the early 2000s um especially um and I think yeah they just like sort of like fed off each other so well but then like you know they were just so good individually as well um Mm -hmm. and like I think that we've seen Ben Stiller you know, play a character similar to White Goodman a couple of times as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think back to our episode on Happy Gilmore as well. Um, yep. And, yeah, Ooch, yeah. obviously, yeah. Um, you know, the sort of like the, what was he, like a um,
1: retirement home nurse there. Yeah, you're in my world now, Grandma.
0: But, you know, he was, a- <laughs> yeah. you know, was a bit uh, sadistic, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, that's very much the same in this movie. Like, he basically played, like, a bit of a sadistic type of person as well. Um, yep. And some people drew parallels. I think it's, like, a popular fan theory. But some people drew parallels to this character of White Goodman um, as being the same person as his character Tony Perkins in a 1995 movie called Heavyweights, in that they're both egomaniacal fitness gurus who are quite partial to the color
1: purple. Yeah, right. Okay. That's interesting. I would like to add um on the Ben Stiller front, it's it's definitely a different character, but there's certainly a few elements, particularly just with how stupid he is, mm-hmm. um, to Zoolander. I think there's a little bit of little bit of Zoolander in there as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think that you can definitely um, you know, come back to either Ben Stiller's roles uh, in previous movies or just, like, previous movies that Ben Stiller's been a part of and, you know, you just know what you're going to expect from that type of comedy as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. I, th- I think, like, yeah, I think, like, this ensemble cast, like, it was just a whole bunch of, like, misfits coming together and I think, like, um Rosen, the director, even, like, mentioned that in terms of, like, uh trying to find words on how, like, dodgeball, this movie, stands up um Mm -hmm. throughout time um and just like i remember him saying that like it was just about this movie that is more about or you know more than just about a sport um it's about like you know a bunch of misfits coming together and um you know similar to like that the title being it being an underdog story and so i think that yeah i think just like the difference between the characters as part of average joe's gym um a Mm -hmm. lot really brought it together like you know they're all just yeah different types of characters that you know no one is really the same and so I think that you want that in like a sort of like ensemble cast like I think of that and like you know thinking now like I'm thinking of like something like a Brooklyn Nine-Nine mm-hmm. where like no character is really the same like they each have their own like um you know traits and that and so like you know I liken that to this like each character has their own traits each character has their own way of going about things
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: I think that's what helps uh, this movie like work
1: so well. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a huge Brooklyn Nine-Nine fan. Love Andy Samberg. So any reason to talk about that is great. But I do want to kind of just shine a light. And this is another question, okay? Mm-hmm. This is testing out the new format, right? Um, <laughs> Justin Long was everywhere in the early noughties, right? Everywhere. Horror movies, TV, comedies dramas he he did it all and he's kind of just fallen off the face of the planet now
0: yeah there are certainly a lot of uh, movies that he did do um you know within that time like we were saying like that early sort of 2000s period Mm -hmm. even throughout the 2000s as well but uh yeah you definitely don't see his name popping up in you know so much of a um you know big you know headliner type of role um nowadays i don't think i mean Yeah, I'm just looking and, you know, all of these results that I see that he's done throughout the last few years and within the last decade, like they're not really anything that I can sort of like point to and be like, you know, I have watched this or, you know, if I have watched it, you know, I remember him. And so, yeah, it's sort of really uh, weird to to say and weird to see.
1: So there's a few cameos in this movie, right? You've got David Hasselhoff.
0: Um,
1: Chuck Norris is in there Although he actually has a speaking role So I don't know if you classify that as a a cameo But that's neither here nor there The cameo I want to talk about Is one that has absolutely aged terribly Um, Peter LaFleur, Vince Vaughn's character He's just, uh, he's just got up and left and he's at the airport and who is at the airport and gives him a pep talk uh, about not quitting. Lance Armstrong. That's right. (laughs) One of the biggest drug cheats ever. I'm a big fan of yours. Really? Yeah. I've been watching the dodgeball tournament on the Ocho. ESPN eight. I just can't get enough of it, but good luck in the tournament. I'm really pulling for you against those jerks from Globo gym. I think you better hurry up or you're going to be late. Actually, I decided to quit. Lance. Quit? You know, once I was thinking about quitting when I was diagnosed with brain, lung, and testicular cancer all at the same time. But with the love and support of my friends and family, I got back on the bike and I won the Tour de France five times in a row. But I'm sure you have a good reason to quit.
0: So what are you dying from That's keeping you from the finals? If a person never quit
1: when the going got tough, they wouldn't have anything to regret for the rest of their life. Good luck to you, Peter. I'm sure this decision won't haunt you forever. Just, uh, it was just something that just when I watched it last weekend, just really stood out to me as something that was like, Oh, I bet you if they could have that one back, they'd probably take it. You know, it was, uh, it was a rough look.
0: Yeah. Who would have thought that a pep talk from Lance Armstrong would will you to, you know, continue playing dodgeball,
1: um, yeah. continue with the sport. Like, yeah. <laughs> maybe some other kind of pep that he's got in his uh training bag you know <laughs>
0: well yeah like i actually have a fun fact about lance armstrong and uh his quote in this movie so mm-hmm. um so he mentions that he won the tour or at this point he's won the tour five times in a row mm-hmm. uh, at the point of time when this movie was released in Germany yeah. Tour de France had finished up already and Lance Armstrong won that so the German release actually needed to edit that part to say that he had won it six times in a row.
1: Really? Wow. Have they edited it now to say he's just a big drug cheat and he didn't win anything?
0: Well, based <laughs> on uh, our viewings you know, over the past week I'd say no. <laughs> <laughs> I guess just uh, before we move on, a couple of tidbits of information uh, that you might find fascinating, Stewie.
1: <laughs> you know I will. The
0: film's director, Rawson Marshall Thurber, he actually wrote the roles of Peter LaFleur, White Goodman and Justin with Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller and Justin Long, respectively, in mind. And so right, wow. he already had those roles basically written for them.
1: You wonder um, how often that happens in Hollywood, eh?
0: Hmm. I would say that it does happen quite often. Like, you know, you have someone in mind that you want for a particular role and, like, hope that you'll get them. Um, Oh, no.
1: I I know. Sorry. I know that that's a thing that happens. I'm more mean how often is it that you actually get the person that you have in mind? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I wonder. (laughs) Be a good study to do, I reckon. And sometimes when we talk about an ensemble cast uh, and them... Acting in a sports movie and having to learn a particular sport as well. Um, sometimes that can have its advantages. Sometimes that can have its its disadvantages. But the entire cast actually practiced playing dodgeball about a month before filming.
1: Yeah. Right. Okay. So it wasn't the same. Uh, the same. Uh, you know. Boot camp like the ladies in the league of their own went through.
0: No no, no no there okay. was no uh world dodgeball federation they didn't need to go up against you know the number one team in the world for training or anything <laughs> 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 but uh it seemed early on that ben stiller was actually you know his character was a good dodgeballer but it seems that ben stiller was as well or Maybe not um, when you consider that he broke three cameras in succession while filming one particular scene, and even hit his wife, so
1: Christine Taylor, in the face once. Oh wow! So he's got a bit of an arm on him then.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Christine Taylor got you know got him back um, in that scene where she like softball throws the uh, ball and like basically decapitates his head off the, <laughs> the cardboard <laughs> cutout. <laughs>
1: It must be very therapeutic for those two to act in movies together where they're kind of opposing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It yeah. be a good way to blow off some steam at your partner and just be like, hey, I was acting. I was just playing the role. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: according to many of the cast members, um, the hardest part about filming was not flinching when they knew they were about to be hit by a ball.
1: I think that's just human nature, isn't it? I think so too, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um and yeah, I think but I think that Justin Long um he, you know, it was probably fair of him to keep flinching because his eyebrow was actually cut open by the first wrench that was thrown at him. <laughs> oh, oh.
1: Shit! Oh, really? Yeah. So, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. That's wild. So all
0: the wrenches were thrown were made out of rubber. It was just apparently that one that was harder than all the others. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's comedy to me. <laughs> okay.
0: All right, we'll move on now, and we've posed the question. Stewie, is there a character throughout this movie that you saw yourself relating to in any way, be it the character themselves, a particular uh, trait of the character, or maybe it was just a line that the character said or something that the character did?
1: There's only one answer to this question: It's Steve the pirate? Obviously. <laughs> 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 now, nah, um, I mean, I guess the the softball answer is um, is is Vince Vaughn's character, um, you know, the 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 scrappy underdog. Mm-hmm. I think we've all felt like that at times. What kind of a douchebag would uh would say uh Ben Stiller's character, you know? Um Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think that that would be the one for me. Yourself? What about you, Jace? Yeah, you always think... have very insightful and thoughtful answers to this that blow my, you know, very poorly thought out answers out of the water so how are you going to do it this week mate
0: I don't know if mine's insightful but like there's definite relatability and I'm sure that you or anyone honestly that knows me can like agree with me in this and so it is Vince Vaughn's character it is it is Pete Lafleur as well but it was a scene that was early on in the movie when he tries to start his car and it doesn't work at first but then he gets the ignition going and is like it's going to be a good day i'm proud of you <laughs> and honestly that is me like that is me like anytime i feel like my car like anything that's wrong with my car and like you know having to fix it and then it becoming good i'm like that's good like that's a good day for me honestly. um even the Wait, car just like spluttering along and needing help to push it to its destination to his gym yeah um yeah like i've had my fair share of like people helping me push my car before um such as yeah just everything in my car going wrong so many times (laughs) um and so i know that yeah if my car starts if it doesn't if it goes a day without anything wrong with it i'm happy you know like good car she's
1: good (laughs) Yeah, I will say the short time I've known you, Jason, you have had quite a few car issues. So uh, I can attest to this one, mate. Absolutely, good shout. Thank you.
0: (laughs) All right, we come to the part of the movie now where we ask if you could have a sports movie get made. What would it be and why? And the movie or the sport that we I will put to you, Stewie. Um, I'll put to you is if you could have a. movie get made about a sport that would appear on ESPN 8 on the Ocho? Mm-hmm. What would it be and why? So, go wild.
1: Um. Okay. You know, just a peek behind the curtain for all our fans out there. We did go through this and spoke about it and I still don't have anything that's springing to mind. But uh, what about the World Hula Hoop Championships? Mm-hmm. And my reasoning behind it is just because you know, what's more ridiculous than a movie about dodgeball? A movie about the world hula hoop championships. I think uh, I think it could be fun. Get the band back together. Get all the cast back from dodgeball. Oh, anyway. um, yeah, and uh, chuck them in there. Just chuck them in a room and give them eight hours and say, mm-hmm. "I want you to come up with a thirty minute TV spot about hula hoop world hula hoop championships." That's mm-hmm. uh, that's my, you know, very poorly thought out answer. How about so that?
0: All, so all this time that Rawson was asked about, um, you know, making a dodgeball too, people should have been asking, what about making a
1: Hula movie? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Get around it. <laughs> I will. I reckon I will if it ever gets done. Yep, yep. Goals on film presents the World (laughs) Hula Hoop Championships. What I've got for you, Jason, which we're doing this slightly differently this time around because dodgeball is such an outrageous sport to have a movie about in the first place. So I'm going to throw a prompt back at you and I'm going to say of all the schoolyard games that you played, little Jason getting around in the quadrangle, playing games, playing sports or whatever, none of the popular ones, no basketball, no cricket, no footy, no soccer, nothing like that, just a schoolyard game, what would you have a movie made about, mate?
0: Okay. Well, first of all, my mind went to, like, Tag, Tiggy, all that. Mm -hmm. But I'm pretty sure there has been a movie called Tag um, before. Um, I think it was released, like, five years ago or something like that. So that idea is gone. And so now the next idea that I have is Foursquare. Foursquare
1: yes what a great answer that's fantastic
0: I yeah I would love to see a movie about like yeah Foursquare going global like I mean I don't know if it is a global mm-hmm. game um because like yeah I'm just consigned to my schoolyard you know Australia um because I think that what you know I think that you could get this movie done and feature Kevin Rudd in it. Like, he is like that spokesperson for this particular game, right? Like, he could be the Patches O'Hoolahan.
1: <laughs> That's perfect. I don't know how you've done that, mate. You have a talent for this. That is fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I will um I'll take you on a trip down memory lane Jason back yeah. in another lifetime when I lived in Adelaide um and my kids were growing up I would uh, quite often go outside and uh, and play play two square sometimes they had a friend over we'd get both of them out there and we'd play four square or mm-hmm. whatever um, and I used to get around, I'd beat the kids because I was older and I was quicker, I was a little bit younger, and I wasn't so portly back then, so I was quite good, I was quick and I was a little bit athletic, right? <clears throat> and I'd beat my you know 10 and seven year old daughters and their friend that they had staying over, or whatever, and then I'd taunt them for the rest of the weekend and tell them that I was the world four square champion. <laughs> um, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: The world's first Foursquare champion. Champion, <laughs> Stewie Kavanagh.
1: Ask Tanisha and Jade Kavanagh. They'll let you know all about it, mate. <laughs> yeah,
0: I just think that there's so much, so many tactics that you could employ um, and talk about in a movie about four mm-hmm. and just like...
1: My favourite was the real low but quick serve. Just right... Oh, yeah. So good my, at it. My favorite in
0: my heyday. <laughs> My favourite was always like lining up for this really big shot and then just doing like a little tap, little tap. on like inside corner and so it would go out automatically straight Classic away. move.
1: Classic <laughs> move. You ever play the type of four square where you had like the king square? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, the best player would always stay in the king square. Yeah, that's And right. uh, that were the rules that we played on my driveway back in those days mm-hmm. of the early 2000s and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I remained in the King Square. So, yeah, there you go. That's uh, that's the height of my athletic achievement, um, beating my primary school daughters at Foursquare. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> How do you reckon you'd go now? Nah, they'd smash me. I've retired. <laughs> as soon as they got old enough that they might beat me, I retired. I made sure I retired undefeated. So yeah. while you're in front, yeah, absolutely, yeah.
0: All right. Well, we have come to the end of the episode, unfortunately. So, Stewie, would you like to share your social media handles with us and any other avenues where people can find you?
1: Absolutely. You can catch me from time to time on Edge of the Crowd, riding Aussies abroad, talking about uh, all the Aussies uh, playing their trade in uh, in the world game. Not quite as uh, world as dodgeball, but uh, you know, still pretty big soccer. Um, talking about all the Aussies playing over there in Europe. Um, also, After Extra Time podcast, um, we're back in the swing of things. Don't talk to me about Liverpool. We've had a terrible start to the season. Um, but if you want to talk to me about Liverpool, you can find me on Twitter, at Stewie it, and uh, check out my crazy cat on TikTok, at Stewie the sports guy.
0: I reckon I will just do that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Jace Erbs. If you've been listening to Goals on Film, you can find Goals on Film on Twitter and Instagram at Goals on Film Pod. Goals on Film is part of the Edge of the Crowd network. You can find Edge of the Crowd on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn at Edge of the Crowd. You can also view any of our stories, be it sport, culture, or politics on our website, www.edgeofthecrowd.com. Until next week, thanks for tuning in.